How are we doing, everybody? Welcome back to A Royal Mess on the Sean Atwood channel with myself, Ron Swanson, and of course, P. Dinah and Paula M. We have got a very special guest this evening in uh, Francis Page from Francis Page Media and a very interesting backstory, which we're going to get into in just a minute. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who joins us every week and uh, watches our show. Please make sure you're subscribed to the channel with the bell on and the link for uh, all of the hosts and the guests is down in the description. So, P. Dinah, how are you doing this week? Hello, everyone. I'm doing just fine hanging in there, keeping up with all the royal news around this couple and seeing things happen the way they were projected to happen a few years ago. That's yeah. just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. well, listen, this is, this is the hardcore royal fans. And I will always say, I put my hands up in almost every episode and say, I have only been exposed to Meghan Markle and, uh, and, and Harry since I've been editing for Sean. I've got a history with the Royals because I live here. I know the, the back catalogue and the greatest hits and the main players. Uh, but my interactions with Royal stories are definitely different to the Royal stories we have on here. So the, the main intelligent questions are uh, going to be coming from uh, the ladies here, Francis. But we'll, we'll get jumping into that in a moment too. Paula, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I'm doing super well. Thank you for asking. Thanks, thanks to all the subscribers who always come to watch us. So thank you very much, and thanks to Francis for being here. I was I'm so looking forward to to, to talking to you. I have no idea. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Same well, here, indeed. Without further ado, Francis, welcome to a royal mess. Welcome to the Sean Atwood channel. Tell us Hello. Before, before we delve into the past. Introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are now, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll dive into that all mysterious. Previous, uh... Hello, hello everyone. Hello, Ron, Paula, uh, Dinah. It's so great to meet you guys. I've been following up on your stories. I've been watching your videos here on YouTube and you guys inspire me a lot. You know so much about the royal family than probably we do uh, back here in the UK, but it's great right. to meet you all. My name, as the host has said, is Francis Page Media. And I do just the same thing as Paula and um, Dina do here, uh, share royal news and insights on what is going on around our British royals. I'm a royalist and, of course, a member of the British Army. I'm still serving as a reservist. Oh, wow. But yes, and uh, so I have so much passion for these uh, royals and what they do for our communities. The last few weeks or months have been very busy with the coronation ceremony, as you might have fallen, I mean, followed up on those events. William and Catherine traveling up and down the country to try and spice up things ahead of all these big events because they are very popular. So when they lead from the front, they sort of create that environment that we all want to see around our royals. And of course, this week leading up to the, uh, you know, the second coronation, which is taking place in Scotland today, yeah. it has been such a busy week for all of us royals and following yeah. up on our royal family members traveling yeah. up and down the country. Catherine down in Wimbledon, it doesn't stop when it comes to what they do, does it? It never does. Mm -hmm. I, uh, 
I dropped the ball completely on the Scottish coronation. I was literally, I live less than an hour from where the king was. If I, I, 20 minute drive, if that. Didn't even register that it was here. I didn't really see any advertising or anything. And then I woke up this morning. I was like, Paula is going to kill me. Paula is going to kill me. <laughs> I could have been live streaming from the actual, you know, the, the, the place. Yes. And yeah, I would have if I if I'd thought about it, I would have been there bright and early and made sure that uh, I topped I topped Trump the girls for uh, at least being there. They trumped me with their knowledge. I can at least uh, trump them by by being there. But no, drop the ball on that completely. So there we go. Now, Francis, you have a very interesting past because you have you're you're an actual former Royal Guard, Queen's Guard. What's the what's the terminology for this? Yes, so I'm a Queen's Guard, so they used to refer to me as a guardsman. Okay. That, that is the, the, the junior role of um, an, a first entry soldier into the British Army working for the Queen in a capacity of, you know, a guard. So we are called guardsmen. So my name would be Guardsman Page. Okay, so they call you Guardsman and your surname. Okay, so okay. Guardsman Page. And uh, as a guardsman, you're, of course, a trained soldier, a fully trained soldier, not just this person who stands there with the bare skin and, uh, you know, the, the, the red uniform or the tunic. And some people think we are holding a toy rifle, you know, but that is an actual weapon. That's an Air Force for AK-47 and uh, with, with that bayonet on the top, you know, which can actually hurt someone if they overstep that mark. And we are trained right from, you know, wearing that tunic, cleaning it up, making up those boots to make sure that they shine as much as they do. That bare skin has to be top notch, you know, ahead of any guard duty that every guardsman is going to do. You spend what they call sleepless nights working on your kit to make sure that you're immaculate. And if you're picked up for not doing something right on that uniform, you will be going back to do a barrack guard while your friends have gone away for the long weekend. Okay. Okay. And if it is something really bad, like maybe not putting in the effort to polish your boots and you just turn up with dusty boots, you could be charged up to 600 pounds of your wages. Oh, wow. Okay. For not turning up in the right, correct, in the correct order of dressing. So I've been picked up once, I think twice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, just, I just want to say, if there's anybody, if there's anybody who's maybe under the age of 23 listening, I just want to say, yeah, you do have to, there is some shoes you have to polish. It isn't just trainers that exist in this world. There are boots and yes. shoes that do require polish. So Google that. Kids. They do. Yeah. And I, I've got some boots I can show you here. Yes. 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 But you're 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 okay. you're good. So here we go. Okay. So they don't those, look very uh, comfortable. <laughs> they don't indeed. What is it at the and bottom? Are there like spikes? Yeah, no part yes. of the uniform looks comfortable, P Diana. Yeah. So those are studs, okay, <laughs> the metallic little metals underneath. And those are designed to keep you stable on ground. Okay, not to sleep or, you know, to avoid those uh, slips and falls. 
and uh, also to make that sort of sound you know when you're marching on the streets yeah. and the sound that is in that. uniform yes so that is the idea of having well, those they look and sound great what's the traction like on them because i imagine one wrong step on a bit of slippery concrete and you're you're going to be ice skating yeah for those bits so, yes absolutely it's about having the skill to walk in then okay so many people so if you're a, a new soldier yeah. you will fall about three four times before you learn how to yeah. walk in these properly oh, yeah. yes yeah, I mean, they look painful. Do you get like blisters the first time you're wearing them, or are they really painful? You, you, I mean, you are very right indeed. The first time you wear them, you're going to sort of feel that pain somehow. And they advise us to wear them and break them before you go on duty. Yeah. So you get them issued to you, and every evening you wear them, you walk around. Uh, the barracks and you know around the environment so that your feet can get used to working themselves in here uh, and and of course the walking when you're walking they are not designed for you to walk normally you have to put some style in that yeah, swagger yeah, so you walk as there it's almost like a march you guys do right and it yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every video you see, every video you see of you, you know, one of the poor guards having to come out and address a mad tourist or whatever. Uh, yes. They're walking forward. They're they're turning. There's the foot stamps. It's very, you sharp. know, yeah. regimented and 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 sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex is that, is exactly. that the fact across the board? Is that how? Like, take us through how you know the rules and regulations for presenting yourself on duty. Like what. What is the, the the standard set of rules for when you're you're you're, you're yes. standing there? I'm going to put this back up on screen as well, just so that everybody can see what we're referencing. Just... How do you become one okay. to begin with? Oh, we'll How get there. Okay, we'll get we'll 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 we'll, go, we'll get there. But tell, just 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 take us through the do's and don'ts for a royal guard, because you guys have to put up with a lot. You know, tourists, yeah. locals, the, the the fact that. You know, we know as locals that you're not allowed to talk to us and you're not yeah. allowed to interact with us. So, of course, if we're drunk, we're going to try and fucking interact with you. Do you know what I'm saying? We're, yes. We're, we're, yes. Uh, yes. We're, we're going to really try. And I apologize for my foul mouth. I'm from Scotland, so I, I'll try and keep it clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Ron, Ron now that you're talking yes. about noxious people, Francis. Yes. Yeah. I, when I lived in London for a few years, I actually went in front of the Royal Guards and I started singing La Cucaracha in, in, in Spanish. Okay. If I could get a rise out of him, like cucaracha, and I was yeah. doing the, everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, I think I saw him smirk a little, but I can't really tell. Oh, yes, so yeah. you never seen him smirk. That no, you that was in so, your head. You you would have to yeah. run at him with dynamite strapped to your chest to get him to react. Okay, you're not yes. going to like how he's going to react. He's not going to fuck yes. around. He's not going to mess around. Okay, there we go. But yeah, tell us, tell us some of the do's and don'ts. I apologize for just going off on a tangent there, friend. Okay, so obviously, so by the time you get to stand on that royal box, they have shaped you into what a guard, a refined or the finest guard should be. So everybody you see standing on those sentry boxes is fully trained, well equipped with all the techniques. Okay, they've gone through all the rigorous process of 
uh, and the toughness of being able to withstand all conditions, regardless of you know whether it's raining, shining, hot, cold, you are trained to withstand that. And now, there's no summer and winter uniform, is there? It's just okay. So there is. So we have as yeah. So the picture you've just shown me there is a summer uniform. So that's oh the red God, tunic. The summer. Yes, yeah, so it's the summer one, okay? So we have the winter one, which is the long coat. You know the grey coat and oh, white gloves? Yeah. yeah. Which now, now, here we go. Got, yes, yes. So yeah. they have, you know, so, so, yeah, so many countries. So that's the one, yes, that grey coat. Yeah, like that. Yeah, but yes, that's the winter outfit, and the other one, the red tunic, is the summer outfit. So right now, if you're to come at Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle or the Tower of London, St. James Palace, these would be the uniforms you would see the guards wearing right now as we speak, the red so, tunic. I mean, that, that red coat, I mean, that looks like wool. I mean, they, don't, they tend to just make everything out of wool when it comes to military, right? Is that is that a wool coat? Yeah, yeah, it's a wool coat, real wool. And then wool. a, a bearskin hat. Tell us, tell us how heavy it's, that hat is, uh, Francis. It's actually very light. Oh yeah. The bearskin is very light. It's designed so when you look at it, you think it's very heavy, yeah. but it's really, really light. And we have that cub chain, that metallic yeah. bit running on our, you know, on our chains. So yeah. that is designed to hold it in place. Okay. okay so it doesn't fall off. And it has to be the right fitting. You know, there are some who, uh, who you know, put on a lot of weight or they have so much hair on their head. And then that tends to be a bit more tighter on them, which makes them very uncomfortable standing there with the bare skin and the cup chain digging into your chin. So it's measured and it's made, it's made to fit perfectly. Yeah. And uh, so that... that um, best can you see there if you lost one you would be charged in the re in a region of around 300 to 600 pounds yeah. okay so it is it is one of the most expensive expensive piece of equipment it's, it's in the military it's iconic. very iconic now if you're a guard on duty those are things that you have to look after very yeah. well you know they are marked off before you start you show it you show your weapon, you show your tunic, you show your, the, your tweeds, those are the trousers, and then you check them every day to make sure that there is no damage on them. So it is your responsibility to keep yeah. them as they are. And when you're a guard that has just, you know, arrived at the battalion after training, and they are giving you that piece of equipment, you fit it on. So it could have belonged to somebody who left the army many years ago, Okay. And so it becomes yours until up to a time when you're also maybe, you know, finishing your service. So you return it. You never take those pieces of items of course, away with yeah. you when you finish. Yeah. So that shows the level of maintenance and looking after, you know, the equipment that is in the British Army. And that is something they teach us right from the onset looking after your belongings yeah. because they are going to be somebody else's belongings when you leave. Yeah. Okay. But Ron talked about the do's and don'ts. Okay. Yeah. So coming on to Sentry like that, of course, you briefed up. Okay. Sure. So for example, I did a lot of Buckingham Palace right. guards. So 
uh, I stood, the most iconic moment I remember was the royal wedding, William and Catherine. Oh, wow. So actually, when you go back to watch that, yeah. uh, that, that video of them coming at the balcony and that royal kiss and wave to the public, yeah. William and Catherine, I was actually part of the 50 men who are stood in front of the forecourt presenting arms on either side. Oh, wow. I just want to say, because this is pre-recorded, I imagine I'll be putting that up on the screen right now. Prince Harry finding it all very funny. Thank you very much sharing a joke. Everyone now waiting for the climax of this appearance, which would be the... And, and I remember when William and Catherine had gone back in after the royal wave and, and the case and the second case, and, you know, uh, so we were marched off back into the guardroom. So the guardroom is inside Buckingham Palace itself. And I was the first man out to come and stand on the sentry box. Oh, that's okay. so cool. So you can imagine standing in front of Buckingham Palace forecourt for all that time, not moving, not doing anything, waiting for the royal wave, the fly pass and all that. Yeah. Your legs must have been hurting, and they were indeed. But we are trained to go through all that, to stand there for long hours. Some, so some we faint, though, because we've seen some, some of the guards faint, right? Some people yeah. have fainted. Yeah. Yes, so they do faint, and that comes down to sometimes not looking after yourself very well. Uh, because before coming on guard, we are advised to drink a lot of water the night before. We are supposed to be eating, drinking properly, getting enough sleep ahead of that guard duty. But what happens is some boys in there are caught out with doing certain other things and they get a little bit of sleep before coming out on duty or others are falling back in terms of doing their own kit. And so they spend sleepless nights doing up their boots. Oh, yeah. Boots that they should have done yeah. a couple of days before to allow wow. themselves that time to rest. And then they end up finishing the process of doing their boots up in the morning. And three hours later, they are stood out on guard. So yeah. what is going to happen? You're going to go man down. Yeah. And when you see them being picked up from the floor and onto those first aid sort of you know, makeshift beds and you see them being shuffled away, it's not going to be good news when you go back to battalion. You're going yeah, to no be sympathy. charged. Yeah, yes, there's no sympathy. Yes, there's no sympathy. Yeah. You're going to be pulled up in the commanding officer's office to explain why you went man down. <laughs> I would imagine, okay. uh, I would imagine <laughs> interactions with the superiors when it comes to the guard. I imagine yes. it's quite an intense, uh, you know, interaction when you're getting briefed and stuff. What was it like compared to an average day when you were, you know, told what was going to be happening on the day of of um, Prince William's wedding? Like how how intense was that day? Because I imagine. Every day is, is pretty intense as far as a normal person comparison, how close you are to the royals, what would actually happen if someone tried to storm the palace, all the rest of it. Like These are realities for a palace guard. And yes. what was it like that day? How, what, was the what, was the what was the energy like around the palace? Because you're, I'll be honest, you're probably the closest individual we will ever meet 
uh, for a long time that has been within oh, yes. legit and I don't just mean crazy or like rich people or famous people or whatever like you you were there man like you were oh yes you were there yes. you know what I'm saying like you and were there that is something I'm very proud of of course of course and, and that's course. why when I when I see people like okay Megan Harry coming in and sabotaging all this great image and you know great yeah. work and you know the love these royals have you know sort of built upon themselves over time, it really hurts me so badly because they're spoiling everything. But this is the thing. We knew that it, you know, our battalion was going to be doing the Guard of Honor for William and Catherine's wedding. And the, the reason we were chosen to do so is because William was the colonel for the Irish Guards at the time. So he was our colonel, it was our party, we were the ones who were lucky as a regiment to go William and, you know... William was your boss, basically. William was the... Yeah, so he was the colonel in chief. Now now it's Catherine, as because yeah. Catherine took over from yeah. William. William crossed over to the Welsh Guards, but it was William. And uh, he used to come to battalion with Catherine at the time. Catherine then was um, not yet, you know, uh, and wasn't given any regiment at the time. She was still, you know, a mother. She was even pregnant, you know, at, at the time, Catherine. Uh, because I remember St. Patrick's Day came around the same time before their wedding. And uh, so, but we were chosen because William was our regimental colonel. And so the Irish Guards were the men at the forefront of marching and presenting all the honors. So the environment was, of course, very electrifying. It was brilliant. Yeah. You know, these were young royals very yeah. much in love coming onto the scene. But you know, super the whole relevant. world. And super yes. relevant and important royals. Like we're, we're talking yes. the, the crazy the future. Future. I mean, what, the in line. I mean, this you is know? William. Absolutely, absolutely. And the rehearsals wow. we did ahead of the actual event. Oh yeah. Were rehearsals that they very much took part in. I mean, 4 oh, wow. a.m. in the morning in the streets of London, Wellington wow. Barracks. This is the barracks close yeah. to. Buckingham Palace, where we usually form up before we, we go to the Horse Guards Parade or before we come to Mount Guard. So 4 a.m. in the morning, William was there with us doing all these rehearsals. You met him? Okay. You met him? Yes, we do. Yes. So we, we sat there with William and he was asking us, boys, let's, it's our day tomorrow to shine, boys, you know. He oh gave us, a, you know, he encouraged I us. Felt any pain if I shook his hand, I would have stood there. I don't think I would have passed out. Oh God, I've, I've, I've shaken his hands not just once, not twice. Oh, he comes through. He's one person who likes to appreciate people for the great work oh, they have done. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was. So, like Ron said, you know, the environment was very, very positive, energetic. Yeah. All cameras were on us on the day. And what our battalion our commanding officer was telling us is that we have to show our boss that we love him so much by putting on a wonderful event. Okay. So we made sure that there was not going to be any men down, you know, this unnecessary <laughs> falling down. 
Yeah, everyone, everyone's on that, that monarchy coffee when they wake up in the morning. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the royal blend that keeps now, you awake. I have a friend of mine, um, you know, he was always lining up next to me. You know, when we form up in, in all these processions, you see yeah. uh, everybody has their position they stand in. So depending on your height, okay, yeah, how tall you are, how short you are. So I always found myself forming up next to this one guy all the okay. time. <laughs> when they say form up, guys, form up, we all jump. So yeah. we all form up, and I found myself next to him all yeah. the time on all these royal engagements. And then whenever he felt like going man down, he would sort of tap me because we are stood right next to each other and yeah. say, I'm going man down. Because you can speak under those bare skins, but there is a way you could do it without anybody noticing. Oh. Oh. So it's like, so I mean, tap me, you know, every, every, few minutes just tap my my foot slowly so i stay awake i'm nearly going man down yeah. so you communicate within yourselves in a manner that others are not going to understand yeah. but that helps you to stay aware to stay in the game here is a word from today's sponsor aura if you google someone you can find out all kinds of personal information about them this information is accessible because of data brokers who profit by selling your information to robocallers, telemarketers, spammers. You can use my link, https dot dot forward slash forward slash aura dot com. Aura is A-U-R-A forward slash Sean Atwood, S-H-A-U-N-A-T-T Wood to try two weeks for free and see how many data brokers are sharing your info. Also linked in my description box on this YouTube version or scan the QR code on the screen. Aura also monitors your emails and passwords to see if they were involved in a data breach and exposed on the dark web and gives you the recommendations on what to do. Aura has almost every internet safety tool you'll ever need all inside one app. Because if one man goes down, then that steals the limelight. The of newspapers course. tomorrow, yeah. next day, are going to be reporting this Queen's Guard went man down. Let's be honest as well. If you know anything about you know, an unconscious human body hitting concrete, it's no, yes. it's, not, it's not. It looks funny, but it's not yeah. funny. Like it's, it's not funny. It's a serious situation, you know. Um, and this yeah. is what our commanding officers tell us: if you're gonna go man down, make sure you really yeah. go man down. Not to this, uh, and then you sit down. Just go yeah, man make, down. make sure you're in the hospital for two yeah. weeks afterwards. Make sure you bust your head. Right. Now, when I, years and years ago, I was in the Air Cadets, and we had to stand and do marches and stuff. And they would tell us to w wiggle our toes. That was the, that was our technique for, yes. for you know, keeping you the blood flowing. Keep the blood moving. Yeah. Yes, wiggle. You go. You I'm just saying, if there's ever going to be a, a, someone to get hints and tips for when you've got to stand for a long period of time, you're the guy. Okay. Oh so anyway, yes, yes. Panel, panel members, if you've got any questions, because this is this is this is the untapped source here. Okay. Uh, I think Paula did, right, Paula? Well, did you ever meet the Queen? Yes, yes, oh I met the Queen. I met the Queen because I did the um, the oh trooping God. of the color, trooping of the color, two thousand and eleven. Wow. Two thousand and eleven. Yes, it was our troop because we had just come back from Afghanistan, and so a regiment that comes back from Afghanistan or from tour goes on to do the trooping of the color. So it's our chance to sort of showcase 
to the public and sort of feel proud of ourselves for what we have achieved out there in in Tua. Okay, so Afghanistan around that time was very, very, you know, really high up there. So we did the Trooping of the Color 2011 and I was able to see the Queen. And prior to that, of course, the Queen comes to, you know, to battalions, so she does visits but also at Windsor Castle, because I was doing a Windsor Castle guard very oh much goodness. often. So the Irish guards, which were my regiment at the time, were based at Victoria Barracks, which is literally down below the Windsor Castle, if you've been to Windsor Castle, Ron. And I think, yeah, uh, Diana, you've been there as well. I think, Paula, you have been to Windsor Castle as well. Have, so yeah. Victoria Barracks would have been the home for the Irish guards at oh, the yeah. time. So we found ourselves doing a lot of Windsor Castle Queen's Guards. And I was stood at the back sentry box, you know, the little one at the back of Windsor Castle where the Queen usually comes out with her little dogs. And I was stood there like that. And the little dog came right up to where I was standing. And here was the Queen coming to me. Come on, let's go. Leave the mornings on your table. And you see, yeah, it's very, it was so amazing to see the most iconic woman in the world right yeah. a few seconds or yards away from you she's very caring okay. you know she's one person who wants to every soldier on guard to to be okay so she likes to check in every often with with the battalion officers on you know who are commanding us behind the scenes to make sure we are all doing fine okay so, yeah, Prince Philip, did you meet Prince Philip? So I met Prince Philip, of course, and uh, <laughs> Prince Philip at the time, you know, was still a very energetic man at the time. And for the trooping of the color 2011, he happened to, you know, he before, the, the day before, he happened to come down to Wellington Barracks. Mm -hmm. And again, to check in with how the boys are doing. So I wasn't that very near to him, but you would hear him in the next room or you would see him from a distance, you know, oh, he's, wow. he's gone there, you know. But I mean, a busy front runners, the Queen, William, okay, who was very close, who was a battalion colonel in chief. Catherine usually came down for the St. Patrick's Day to give us the shamrocks. And you'd stand there and Catherine comes and puts a shamrock on you. And you know, that's Catherine. What you see is what you get. She's that same person. You know, very friendly, very lovely. And when they speak, there is this energy they bring along with themselves that you can't find anywhere else. These people are awesome. Wow. Very, very friendly hmm? my, my next question was going to be what is your most iconic moment but i think we just covered that with the yes. wedding and meeting the, the queen royal wedding yeah, and cool. the trooping of the color now if any god hasn't done the trooping of the color they will beat themselves to death because that is our moment to shine that is our moment to show the whole world how professional well-trained the British Army is, okay? And uh, obviously with all the, the street lining, you see soldiers lining the streets, uh, facing outwards, you know? Um, there is a lot of teamwork 
within these five guards regiments. So I was wow. from the Irish guards, but we had the Coldstream guards, the Scots guards, the Grenadier guards. We all work together as a team, as you can see there. So if the Coldstream guards are lining up the street like that, the Irish guards are forming the number five guard at the Horse Guards Parade. And you have the Grenadiers also doing some sort of, you know, uh, taking on a role again on that very big day. So we are all working together as a yeah. team. I have, yes. to say, I have to say, it is the greatest driveway in the world, the road leading up to the palace. Like it's the just, malls. Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. And uh, it's, tell us, like, I'm, I'm fascinated. First of all, you're, when you're on duty, you're, you're, you're stood yeah. there, you're in full guard re regalia. How long is a shift? Like, how long are you stood there for at one period of time? Like, what, how, how intense is that? Uh, like okay. So you have to stand there for two hours, okay, okay. at a time. Okay? okay, so that's not too bad. That's not but too bad. Of course, but of course, in that kit, that kit that we wear, oh. the red tunic or the, yeah. the, that, uh, that, that uh, gray coat you saw, yeah. And of course, the boots and the cup chain, which is really yeah. tight in there. All that kit is designed to make you feel uncomfortable. Of course. Okay? It's the British military. And, you know, when, yes, the, the, yes. comfy is not a word that goes hand in hand. It's with not. So, so when you do up your, your uh, the buff belt, that white belt, you see yeah. it has a bayonet at the back. When you do it up, it's really tight, very, yeah. very tight because it keeps this uniform close to your body as much yeah. as it can be. And that is very uncomfortable as well. Yeah, of course. So that makes the two hours seem like four hours of standing out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, we're not talking about two hours with your AirPods in, okay, people out there. There's no, there's no AirPods. There's nothing. You're stood still, okay, hoping to hear God. Yes. The day someone yeah. tries to ram the palace, okay? You know? Absolutely. And then someone throws in a word to make you laugh. So you're fighting to stay oh, there without making those laughs after these jokes that they make. And uh, the other thing as well we are trained is, you know, when you feel a little bit stiff and maybe blood isn't running in those toes properly as a result of you standing yeah. still there, yeah. we are allowed to patch you up and down. So we do that, you know, at least three okay. in, three out and come back and okay. hold at your position, face in. And that is where you've seen so many soldiers sliding and falling off the tarmac yeah. because because there are so many guards that have been marching on those spots and the spot is as smooth as, I don't know, you know when cars drive over time for a long time, yeah. it becomes very smooth and very slippery. Yes. Where is that? Yeah, so it's very easy to sleep as you pull in, you know, after doing those patrols. So again, you're supposed to do that very professionally, very carefully. So every time you feel like you're getting a little bit numb, okay? Pull yourself to attention, slide your weapon system and do a bit of marching. Yeah. When, okay? when you feel like you're gonna pass out, do the most difficult walk in the world with numb legs in boots with metal spikes on concrete. Like the whole, this, somebody, this, this whole guard uniform is redesigned, okay? I'm thinking trainers. Comfortable black leather trainers, <laughs> yeah. or, or or some of those some of those slippers that are like Garfield, you know, something yeah. comfortable. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, but 
those are going to make you sleep. I know. Okay, they make you true, sleep. They make you yeah. That's so true. part that's of so part of the kit making you uncomfortable, of course, is also to make you appear tough. When you're uncomfortable, you're very tough. That is the narrative behind it. You feel uncomfortable, you're tough. Before we go into war, we are fast beasted. You run here, run there, get it going. Go and put your kit on, remove it, put it back on in two minutes. Do this to make you tough so that by the time you turn up on that duty, you are already a toughened up guy. And that's why some guards lose it when somebody makes a funny joke in front of them. They're like, get out of the Queen's Guard's way. Yeah. You know, so yeah. these are people who yeah. have already had enough behind the scenes yeah. coming up to yeah. these, you know, these are tourists, thing. Francis. These are tourists, okay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. local <laughs> Londoners have gone, all right, mate, you know, you want to go along and talk to the royal guard. They love it. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what would happen. No, <laughs> I wanted to ask you something. I wanted to ask you something quickly. You know that the queen had that intruder yeah. walk into the castle and he was in her yeah. bedroom. Was that yes. you guys who had to prevent that or her bodyguards, bodyguards? What, how, what was the breakdown for that to happen? Okay, so I wasn't, I think that was um, a, a little, I think that happened after I had left. Uh, but what happens is, of course, we have got CCTV in the palace itself, okay? So, and then you have certain people running the CCTV at a time. So these uh, mainly the senior guard officers on duty. So as the guardsmen do the, you know, the manning of the sentry boxes, and then it gets to around eight o'clock when it gets dark, sometimes nine o'clock. So we close the sentry boxes, we go back into the guard room, which is inside the palace. And within the guard room, there is a small room for the CCTV cameras where somebody sits there and observes what's going on in all of these corners. Now, it is very easy to miss out an angle or to miss out a certain camera, especially if the weather isn't vision and all that is not the best. So someone can easily slip in from, from those black spots. So we usually go out for patrols as well. So they sent maybe two soldiers to go on a patrol and walk around the fence. Now we have police officers, but police officers at these castles are stationed at the front to just stop visitors or people coming in. They have to show their ID and all that stuff. But when it comes to security inside of these palaces, it is the guards who are doing that, okay? And yeah. because obviously we have fully loaded, you know, all that stuff, you know, some mm -hmm. of those I can't say now, but uh, we, we are in more better positions to, you know, manage intruders, you know, who jump in as opposed to the police, because the police are mainly stationed on the gates, yeah. you know, so they might miss those black spots, especially mm -hmm. behind the castle. So... It could have been an error around the camera system and somebody who was, you know, mm -hmm. observing the cameras at the time that, you know, it could have been dark. Some nights get really, really dark in winter and you, you could spot something happening with the cameras. But again, it's very easy to rule that as a, to rule that out, to rule an intruder out thinking, oh, this could be a massive spider shaking the cameras. Or... But yeah, that was yeah. a wake up call. It was a wake up call for the guards on duty, 
more mm-hmm. security, increased routing patrols around the palace, you know, whatever. I wonder, I wonder like what happened, happened to the guy who let the queen, who let that guy in, or who went by. <laughs> I he's mean, in it, it, he's still in the dungeon, man. He's still in the dungeon. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I had a question though. Um, what is the recruitment process like? How do you find out about a job, or is there a school? Because that's so foreign to us here in America. How does this even come about for you? Okay. Yes. So, for example, for myself uh, at the time, these rules of joining the the military are ever changing. You know, with the times and the technology. <laughs> but I remember myself before. You know, I was at college at the time. I was. Um, coming from West London College at the time down in Brixton and I was sat on a bus station waiting for my bus to come and then there is this bus it was going in a different area that you know pulled up at the bus stop and I was sat there waiting for mine and there was big po- this big poster on the bus that the British Army is recruiting okay mm-hmm. And it, it had things like uh, if you want to travel the world, if you want to go on to these adventures, meet new friends, uh, get new challenges, the army is the best place for you. Just pop in. Here's the telephone number to ring and we will get you signed up. So I said to myself, oh, OK, so during those days, we used not to have these fancy cameras that you could quickly take a photo or stuff like that. Yeah. But I had this funny Nokia. It didn't have a camera. You know those old-fashioned yeah, yeah. phones at the time, 2008, okay? Uh, so I just quickly scrambled the number down. And then I rang the number. And they say, yes, you're calling the AMA Recruitment Center. So we are based at Trafalgar Square, London. So coming tomorrow at half past nine for a quick chat. And then I went. And this was an AMA Career Center. So they were recruiting soldiers. So I went in there. And um, they say to me, what sort of role do you want to play in the army what do you want to be so we have so many roles here we have tank drivers we have uh, royal logistics support officers we have uh, the signals so these are people who would be working around the radio systems and communication systems we have the uh, queen's guards and as soon as he said queen's guard I said, yes, because that's what we used to identify ourselves with mostly. So I used to see all these guards stood outside Buckingham Palace. But I didn't know that to become a guard, you had to become a fully trained soldier first. Okay, yeah. I thought you just stand up, they give you that uniform and off you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. you, you first so, have to do you have to first first prove yourself by fighting a war yeah, 26, weeks, yeah. 26 oh, wow. weeks of training as a soldier in the cold forests of north yorkshire you've been there ron i think okay I've been, I've been the forest in north yorkshire but never to the military training i've been up to the edinburgh oh my god yes the, that the is one of the most challenging roles i've done yeah. in my life Take us, take uh, us through, take us through that those, those uh, trainings. Yeah, take so, us through. So I, you made a mistake, yeah. Francis, when they were training you. And you just, yeah. So, <laughs> and as soft as you might see me and my personality and how I talk when we went into this office, 
uh, I went in with three other friends of mine. Two of them said, no, I can't join because they gave us this little handbook with soldiers wearing camouflaged uniform with cam cream on, you know, wearing all these uh, silhouettes on their head and holding machine guns, snipers. And my two friends said, no, I'm not going to die in war. <laughs> 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 so, so I went back to my little room in Croydon, South London, and I started thinking about joining the army. I said, should I really join? Because looking at these books and the machine guns and all these soldiers, you know, sat on these open roof land rovers out yeah. in the desert of Iraq, because Iraq had just finished yeah. and Afghanistan was starting. As a reality check. I say, yeah, I say to myself, I think I'm going to die there. I want to go. But then um, I remembered what the, the, the guy, the officer said to us, that you're going to make new friends, travel the world, go on these adventurous sporting events. Then I said to myself, maybe there is a section in the army that I can join where I'm just going to go and chill out and do this lovely sports. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that I didn't have the same back. tactic as me, uh, Francis. I yeah. just want to add it. That would have been my mindset if I had to, if I had yeah. to pick a role. Yeah. I'd be like, and of course, where I come from, you know, African background, we grow up not, you know, accustomed to holding those weapon systems. We don't, sure. we, we watch Schwarzenegger, John Rambo, and we see how they fire weapons in the forest yeah. and all that. And that's, that has, that's as much as we knew about weapons and fighting. Sure. Yeah. So, and that is different for someone who has grown here, grown up here, because you know they play these video games and shoot, and so they are they That's know the great. mechanisms of war. Yeah, so of course, I didn't yeah. know nothing when I went into that uh, careers office. So when I came home, my friends pulled out, and I also never gave them a call back. Uh, yeah, you, I was going to say your friends just ditched uh, the hurdle. Yes. That's brutal. But out of the three of us, it is me actually who had given, who had left my contact. Mm -hmm. So they rang me and said, oh. you're expected to come back here for an appointment tomorrow. Will you turn up? So you, the, you're so polite. You ended up in the army. Okay. Because you're yeah, too so polite. I went back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I went back to the office. And so they say to me, right. So these are the regiments recruiting right now. So we have the Irish Guards. Sure. And they didn't tell us that the Irish Guards will be going to Afghanistan straight after passing out, straight after, you know, being made. Because nobody so would join, they, Francis. Nobody would join, yeah. <laughs> so they, yeah. So they just told us the Irish Guards are recruiting, not knowing they wanted numbers for people to be able to form yeah. a battalion to go and, you know, in Afghanistan. So I joined the Irish Guards and I also knew they were based in London. So they were in Windsor Castle. We used to see them do guard at Buckingham Palace. So I thought to myself, after all, I live in London. When I become a soldier, I'll be living in London, working at Buckingham Palace. So I joined. But the process of joining is very, very tight. So there is what they call a British Army recruitment test. So in short, these are called BAB tests. So you sit in front of the computer and you answer some quick math questions and reasoning tests. 
uh, just to assess your suitability and your level of understanding. Okay. So the higher you score, the, the better the jobs you get in the army. So there are some jobs that, so for example, royal engineers. So some of those jobs are considered a little bit higher, you know, so yeah. you have to do really well in these recruitment tests to be able to get yourselves in those regiments. Yeah, make, make sense. So the royal signals, yes. So you would be scoring high in those tests. But I scored somewhere around 6.5. And uh, the jobs I had very much placed me in the bracket of, you know, an infantry soldier. You know? the, so, where you don't want to be, okay, in the fodder. The fodder where bracket. I never wanted to be is where <laughs> the jobs placed me. Okay. And I said, right, I'll take this on. Okay. So I'm already in this. I can't come out of it. They've taken my details down. They are always giving me phone calls. Turn up yeah. to the second assessment. Test. You're the first guy we've ever met who's too polite. You ended up in a career meeting the Queen, meeting Prince William yes. because you were too yeah. polite. So, nah, this isn't for me, thanks. And you, you've and, clearly nailed it, Francis. You know, you've not that's it. Along, you clearly nailed this career. You know, there's, yeah. no, there's no joke here. I mean, the, being part of the army is no joke, but being part of the Royal Guard is no small achievement. I'm no, I'm in no way. And, and that's one thing. That's one thing that got me stuck in there to go through all these stages because I knew at the end of it, the reward would be yeah. seeing the Queen, Amazing. being around, you know, the Williams, the Catherines, yeah. be, being in Buckingham Palace. That was the motivation behind me eventually getting into the infantry section because actually among all the British Army regiments, it is the infantry section, especially the guards regiments that get to live, work and eat around the royals. We are more closer to the royals than any other regiment because we are technically known as the royal guards, the queen's yeah. most closest you yeah. know, guards, security officers. Yeah. And when, when you see all these, um, you know, equest, what are they called, equestarians, you know, the ones who help um, the queen. Equ yes, yeah, those ones, they all have a history of, you know, being, you know, in the infantry and closer to the royals. So we, are, we get trusted because of that. So I always knew that if I joined the army and this session, which everybody else doesn't like, I thought to myself, the motivation is because I'm going to be close to the queen. And so I went for the assessment, the second level of assessment. So when you pass the recruitment tests, the ones you do on the computer, all those reasoning ones, you go to level two. So level two is the fitness tests. Now you've got to run one and a half a mile in at least 10 minutes to pass at that time, you know? So yeah. I think the girls were 11, 12, between 11 and 12. If you got 13 for a girl, they would just about uh, take you if you did well in all these other physical assessment uh, tests like push-ups, press-ups, okay? But for young men like us, you had to run a one and a half a mile under yeah. 10 minutes to stand a chance. I mean, listen, I'm not being funny. You can run uh, a mile in however quickness you want, unless you're doing it in so, those boots. Unless you're doing it in those oh, boots. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. So I did eight minutes. 
Okay, eight mm -hmm. minutes, and without a word of lie, in that group that you know that passed selection on that day, I came first. Wow. And of course, from my background, I am a runner, so I'm used to running. So yeah. all activities around running, I knew I was going to excel. Mm -hmm. And that is really what helped me to go further in my army career because of the, the fitness, the running. All these roads rotate around running. Yeah. You know, whether it's getting to dress up ready for God, you have to be very fast down and up the stairs. You have to, you know, you have to do these one and a half mile fitness run tests that are done annually. You have to pass them. You have to do a tabbing test where, again, you run with your backpack on weighing about a certain kilograms. Is it a full, bivy? Is it a full standard bivy you've got to do that, that run in? Or is it, a, yes. is it a, a, a full army bivy? Wow, okay, yeah, that's about 30 pounds. 30 pounds, yes, yes. And it's a tab, but it's, that tab is like... The, you keep running through it, isn't it? Because the person leading it is tabbing that fast that to catch up with him, you just have to do those little runs in between. And yeah. you have this weight on your back. Many people will give, would give up at that point. Yeah. That's, so, that's what we, I mean, you, you look at a lot of the, the weeding out of, of, of soldiers and special forces units and all the rest. And it's, you, you you were a very specialist unit. I mean, the, 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 we talk about the, the regular army and then, you know, the Marines. And the, the more specialist the, the, the sector, the more tight-knit and exclusive it tends to be. And it, it's clearly the same for the, for the guards. It's, it's, it's a fascinating insight, Francis. And oh, yes. Is there, yes, we, uh, mm -hmm. is there, is there levels to, obviously, you're, you, is there levels to, the, to being a guard? Like, once you've yes. in the box, is there somewhere beyond there? Is the internal guards or or anything like that? Is there is there a ladder, yeah. a career ladder, so to say? Yes, yes, we have that. So you could be a guard, and then you could be a lance corporal. So a lance corporal would be the second level up. So then yeah. the lance corporal would be marching guards and bringing them on duty. So the ones that shout left, right, left, right, left, how, right, tongue. How many guards to a, a lance corporal? Okay, so how many what? How many guards? Yeah, how many guards is is it? Was it a lance corporal? You said was the next. Yes. Yeah. So a lance corporal is the next, and usually that's after maybe two out two years. Of, okay. And, of and how, being a guard. How many guards would be in his marching group, or is he in charge? Okay. Of it? At a time, so he's in charge of a, a whole section. So okay. a section would be about fifteen to twenty soldiers. Okay. Okay. So the lance corporal usually works under a full corporal. Okay. okay. So, uh, and the lance corporal would be somebody who, uh, of course, has passed his two years in there, so that experience, he's done certain courses, but he hasn't gone on to a full corporal course. So after another year, three years, you become a full corporal now. Okay. Okay. So after you've done some courses, so again, that's stepping up. And the more you step up, of course, the, your, your wage goes up as of well. Course, yeah. And then from a corporal, you go to a lance sergeant. Okay, so you step up again. So now a lance sergeant uh, has more roles. So they would be uh, responsible for, you know, for making sure that all the soldiers in that unit uh, you know, turning up on parade at the right time, they have the right kit, 
they call the roll on a parade. You know, when you line up and they call your names to make yeah. sure everybody's present. So they call the roll. And then you have a full sergeant. And then that goes into sergeant majors and captains and all the way up. Okay. If you're, so for example, if you're a guard who's outside in the box. Uh, yes you're assigned there would you be assigned internal duties internal guard duties as well or is that for a higher rank no you would be you'd be signed internal duties okay. so you could be called up to sit in the guard room for example to watch over the cctvs while sure. the, the the sergeants who are meant to do that are in a meeting somewhere yeah. or they are having a project they are working on so you'd be given those roles in there and, and part of that is to make sure that they also help you to get accustomed to what leadership is and, you know, those policies to help you learn from the process sure. and maybe, you know, put yourself forward to take on those roles in those other full capacities. So there is a lot of support in there. And also a lot of it has to come from you, the soldier yourself. If you show uh, right from the onset that you're very de dedicated, determined, you turn up on time for duty, you are never caught out with, you know, yeah. kit not well done on duty. So you've got to have a good record for you to be able to be put forward for those promotions. Okay, okay your fitness has to be top notch because yeah. all of these courses all these advancements that you you achieve only arrive after you have gone through certain courses. And military courses are very practical. They involve going out on exercise and running around like a headless chicken to hit certain targets, map reading, which involves a lot of walking about carrying kit. Some people struggle through some of those uh, activities and they just say, right, you know what? I'm going to stay a guard and that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna do all that intense training. I've already done the 26 weeks training to become a soldier. My body can't take on any more than that, yes. So they stay there as guards. Yeah. And until they, they serve all their 10 years and leave, okay? Well, I mean, it's it's so mind blowing how deep the topic goes. And I just want to say, if you've just tuned into the to the podcast, we are uh, here with Francis Page. We are we're talking about the realities of being a royal guard. He was a, a former royal guard. And just in case, I just want to put in perspective for people who may not know just how serious a job this is. If we're talking Game of Thrones, okay, you were one of these guys, okay. You were one of the king's guard. You would be guard if. If, for example, Francis, right, and this is why you need to know all these things. If war broke out in, in 30 seconds and the yeah. palace, you had to get, you you would be the guys getting the queen, the royals out of there. If the army couldn't get to you, that is what you're there for. You would effectively be back in the medieval times, the guys with the big spears and the armor. You are, you are the queen's army. You are the queen's police for the palace. And it's, it's, quite incredible when you go through the history of your job you know yeah and yeah you, at, you know how different it would have been 300 400 500 years ago but the legacy of it and just i mean it's it's a really cool job you know it's oh, one of yes. the really cool jobs now 
Is there any stories, right, that the royal guards are told so that they don't fall asleep? Is there any old tales that go around about, oh, you know, you know, a former guardsman this did this, and you know, we, we've got to make sure we don't do that. Is there any sort of legendary tales from that you're allowed to tell? Because I'm sure yeah, so Ron, you you said something very important there that you know we're supposed to be there ready to go yeah. in case war broke out. Of course. And and that was very much the message they were telling us every day as guys. Oh, wow. You've got to stay alert. Yeah. They, there are certain days or weeks they put in uh, 24 hours ready to go sessions where we are literally sat in our rooms, yeah. dressed up in our combats with no boots on, but we are just there ready to go in case something broke out. And we would, we would put that in action at times where they sound a horn of some type and we all fly out of our rooms, you know, so stay, you know, barracks is really huge. So there yeah. are those single man rooms in there. So they sound the horn and you're supposed to be on that track, ready to go to wherever your officers are going to be sending you. So you sat there for 24 hours in your combat, no boots on, but they are yeah. somewhere you can see them. You've got your bag in or your backpack ready packed with spare socks, spare t-shirts, spare combat trousers, spare shoes. It's ready to go. Yeah. Two water bottles, your webbing. This your is the assortment. You ready yeah. to go? Yeah, with your magazines fully yeah. packed in your bayonet somewhere. If you're a grenade man, you've got to have your two grenades ready to go. That's and they sound the horn and you all fly out to go and sit on those trucks. And we physically sit on those trucks. Yeah. So they line up about 15, 20 of them. So, and this is where all the last corporals, sergeants, major, sergeant majors, captains all come in. And it's like a real war scenario. Yeah. And they start calling the role, Gutsman Page, here, sir. Gutsman, so here, sir. Now, if you're not there. Yeah, if you're the guy that slept in during the drill, if, you're if, done. If you, you don't done. show up at during that sort of trial, you know, phase, you're in for a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because this is a 24-hour to go emergency service. Yeah. We have to be there. So the army puts all of those uh, things in place every very often, if I might yeah. say. So at least within a month. We have to have that 24 hour ready to go about three times. Okay. I, and then once you're all sat on those big trucks, the army trucks, yeah. and then that's when the commanding officer sometimes calls, calls it down, stand down, stand down. And you all jump out of the trucks yeah. and go back to your rooms, take off your combats, and you know. And there are times you're not supposed to go away from your workstation for a given period of time. So if you're to go away, you make sure you go to distances that are within an hour of you getting back in. Okay. So if you get caught out going two hours away, three hours away from your workstation and that yeah. phone call comes in and you can't make that call back within an hour, to arrive back at your duty station, you're in for you're some done. big yeah. trouble. Okay. Francis, uh, after, after you finish your service, your active service, have you been invited back or to any events or anything like that? 
Yes, yes, that's a very good question, Paula. Thank you so much. And they do that regularly just to check in with us and see how we are doing. And uh, so we, we go to uh, what they call uh, the... So we have one in London where the London Mayor City Council organizes uh, some uh, forces day events for the ex-servicemen to come in and uh, just have a drink, have an, something to eat, share some stories. I just and have then, to say, next time you go, let them know about P. Dinah. I'm yes. on YouTube, yeah. and I would like to interview some of the Royals. Yeah. 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 I saw you, I saw you, P. Dinah. I saw you at, was I'm it just quickly going to nip. on I'm just London the other day. And I say, oh, I wish you, you oh, yeah. let me know you're going to come down. I would have popped around to see you. I would have loved to have been able to do that. Yes. Were you invited to the Queen's last Jubilee? Yeah. Yeah. Were you invited to the Queen's last Jubilee or any, any events or anything like that? Okay. So the Queen's Jubilee was very competitive, very, very competitive. So... And obviously, there are so many guests. There are so many servicemen and ex-servicemen. Yeah. So the positions were really limited. So the invitations were reserved to maybe those who, uh, maybe the heroes who lost their, you know, legs or okay. hands serving. So that was a gesture to them to come back in. And however, we had uh, an opportunity as ex-servicemen to volunteer in some of these events. So I volunteered as a first aider. So I went back to battalion to help out with, uh, you know, the behind the scenes work, you know, any equipments needed, first aid equipments be there mm -hmm. in case I'm needed to come in. And, uh, but there is always an opportunity to go back in the barracks, go back in the palaces to meet uh, our colleagues who are still there. We have our armed forces cards here. So when you arrive there, you just flag that up and the guard soldiers on duty will say, oh, comrade, come back in, come back in. So you go and you have a cup of tea. When I go to London, I don't pay parking. So I park in the barracks, the Wellington barracks, which is in, right. you know, which is next to Buckingham Palace, free of charge as a former soldier. So all I have to do is to show my ID card forces cut and they'll give me parking space to park my car and go about my my day in london wow. we, you know so i don't have to pay to visit uh, the tower of london as a former soldier all i go is to show my forces card come in you if i've got a family they all come in free of charge oh, yeah. they mock us cousin the next time i'm there yeah, so you just get in touch, and I'll show you around Windsor Castle. <laughs> so I can, I, I, I'm, I'm so, I, 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 I can't believe all of this. You know, it's, yeah. it's so fascinating, so, and it's prestigious. I imagine, right? When yes. you get out and you're oh. me to say that you were a guardsman, that must be yeah. very prestigious. For oh you. yes, we are so respected down yeah. here. For you know, and you know, here in England, every family somehow has someone who served in the army at some point. So, and Ron will tell you that, you know, we are really, really so respected in the community, even in local councils, yeah, yeah. if you it comes to, yeah, if it comes to housing. The Guard. No, if you when it comes to housing, all local councils give former soldiers that yeah. first priority. Oh, of course, know? when it comes to serving military, of course, 100%. Yes, 100%. yes, 
Yeah, yeah. it's like that here in the States, too. If you've yeah. served in military, there's there's days you eat for free, like on Veterans Day. Yeah. There's a lot of perks to being in the military. I just, yeah. just want to say. It must have been special because this is like elite guardsmen. So that's yeah. more prestigious than just, for example, Ron's position. <laughs> <I'm just Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to say. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we need to do a lot more for our veterans in this country. There is too many. Like, I, I feel quite strongly that if you're going to get 25 or 30,000 pounds a year or less, and you're willing to go to Afghanistan and almost, you know, get your legs blown off for your country, yeah. Yeah. and then yeah. you, come back, you come back here and you're so, you know, fragmented in the brain that you end up homeless and living under a bridge. That is not how veterans should be fucking treated. Be, yeah, no, 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 it's no. Shocking. It's shocking that the aftercare is provided yeah. by charity organizations yeah. in a lot of these countries where we need to be looking at aftercare for a lot of our uh, servicemen. Yes, yeah. And, and a lot of it as well has to do with you as an individual. So, for example, I served... And, uh, you know, my friends were blown up. There is yeah. one, Dev, uh, he got shot uh, two weeks to his wedding, two, two weeks to finishing the tour of Afghanistan. He was very much looking forward to marrying his, his sweetheart. He got shot. So all these boys coming back here, everybody at least has a certain level of mental, you know, yeah. they are affected in one way or the other. So we have that two weeks compassionate period in Cyprus that they give us to try and do those activities to get, yeah. to get us back to where we are supposed to be mentally. Yeah. But sometimes that's not enough. So when we come out, like myself, you leave the army. Uh, again, a lot of it has to do with you as an individual to look after yourself, okay? Yeah. Make, make sure that you do things that keep you busy uh, pick up some courses you can do in school to sure. keep you busy, give you a career that is going to give, keep you busy, like myself. Um, you know, I went to university, did a course in careers education, and I'm now a careers coach. And that, that process helped me to sort of get rid of all those war horrors in my head and because I'm constantly with people, talking to people. Of course. But my think... other friends haven't had that opportunity, and that's why they end up in places that Do you they... think that, that comes with being a bit more academic, right, when it comes to how you cope with things? And I'm not trying to compare any regiments with another uh, when it comes to the army, but... hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money. Many of our viewers have saved thousands using Rocket Money to save the money off subscriptions they didn't even know about. Rocket Money cancels subscriptions for people that are tricky and time-consuming. Rocket Money also alerts you to subscriptions that can save you money. Try it free for 30 days. Just enough time to try it. And then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realising it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for ones you don't use. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to 
rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. That's rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, rocketmoney.com slash Sean. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Enjoy the podcast. A lot of people in this country and in Scotland, anyway, it's it's their only option is, is to join the army at a young age. Yeah. And for some people, their home life is so horrific that yeah. they, as soon as they hit sixteen, they're in the army. Yeah, Do you think that the circumstance behind joining plays a part in the recovery and how well you handle things afterwards? Yes, it does. It does, and uh, that's why they encourage those young ones still in the army to to pick up some courses while they are in the army because all these courses are free available free of charge when you're still serving so whether it's a driving course you want to go on you know you just put yourself up and say i want to go and do a driving course do a d license to become a bus driver or yeah. a d plus e or a c plus e to be a truck driver so these courses, of course, give you that, you know, life after the army. You know, you have something to do when you leave yeah. that is going to keep you busy. And also the other thing is to try and not keep yourself as you try and socialize. Find friends who are supportive, yeah. who are very positive minded, okay, who like to go and do things that are good for the community because these are the people who are going to be giving you the energies, those good energies to stay on course, yes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the boys who are affected with these mental issues are people who keep themselves to themselves and they have problems in there, but they don't speak to anybody. They are very depressed about the job because it is very depressing. I tell you what, you're in the army, but today you finish, you come back on exercise next week, you're going to be on guard duties and you have to be doing all those rehearsals day and night, your kid. There is something happening constantly. The army is very, very busy. So you're always stressed about these coming activities. Okay. And, uh, you know, we have the spring drill, for example. I'll give you an example for sure. the, the, the Queen's birthday parades, which are now the King's parades. So the period leading up to those birthday parades is very busy. The spring drills, you know, the marching, the formations, yeah. the turn right, turn left, form up, you know, three-quarter march, and all those, you know, slow march, quick march, all of those trainings are done within those three months, starting from around late March to around, you know, around Mayish there, very busy those months. They are very frustrating in terms of, you know, you have to be very alert. You have to be there at the right time to complete this rehearsal. You go down to London in the middle of nights to do rehearsals on the streets of London. The good thing is that you're doing the rehearsals together with the royals themselves, like the Williams, who are going to be. They also work so hard. It's not just us. And this is why people, yeah, this is why people don't know. They think, oh, William, Catherine, they just turn up all singing and dancing with their uniforms and we salute them. They are part of the rehearsing process. Really? Come, yes. They're, they're with you, yeah. They are there with us right on the onset. When it is their turn to perform their duties, they come and sit on those horses and reenact what is going to take place. Who would, okay. who would 
say, is there one royal in particular that sticks out as being the hardest working royal? If you had to, if you had to, you know, if you had to choose, who who's been, who have you seen uh, rehearsing more than others? Is there is there someone who stands out for you from the royal crowd? Okay, I think because of with Prince William having been my regimental, you know, colonel in chief, I have worked with him more times than any other. But of course, Princess Royal Anne also yeah, yes. is in is in charge of uh, other say. regiments. So, so she's also there working her yeah. ass off with those regiments like to make sure so that really yeah, like to make sure oh, she's very very lovely. She, you you know, she does it. Oh yes, oh, oh so God. many times, so many times. And how is I mean, she? This how is royal. She? Oh, she is very friendly, very very friendly. Oh she likes goodness. to do things her way. You know, she's one person who doesn't want, for example, uh, if she has a handbag, she will never give it to someone to carry. Or this business of having uh, people carry her things when she's mm. going out. No, she does things on herself, you know, by she's herself. Mili- she's a military woman, though, right? I mean, very, 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 very military-oriented yeah. she is, yes. Mm. But, you know, these royals are always there out with us. So I haven't very much seen Prince Andrew and because I think when I was serving, he was, I think, the chief of some other regiments. So these regiments, some of them were rifle regiments that were not taking part in the Queen's birthday parades. So these are the green combats. They are purely on exercise. You know, they don't come so much in the limelight. So I would not have seen Prince Andrew very often. What years did you serve? I was going to say the same thing. Okay, so between 2009 and 2014. Oh, that means you missed the Meghan Markle years. Yeah, so I missed those years. I think think Prince Andrew was doing a lot of traveling backwards and forwards from islands at that time. So prior prior engagements, Francis. And Prince Charles, Prince Charles, who is now the king, you know, you know, he, (laughs) I did more um, St. James Palace guards uh, than uh, I did for the St. Then the Tower of London, because we have the Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, St. James Palace, where King Charles is. He loves St. James Palace. I don't think he's going to live there to go to Buckingham Palace. I don't Are see that happen. He's been there for as long as I've been in the army and out. Okay, that has been his residence. He's been living there for more than 20 years. Okay, mm-hmm. so, but he is very particular, King Charles. Prince, he was a prince at the time, very particular. He wants things done in his way no messing about at the right time but he's one of the nicest person you can meet okay he's very good and that's why when of course megan did whatever she did you know after these royals had welcomed them you know it's 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 very very sad isn't it now a man like myself from an african origin you know i was welcomed in the army, I very much served. I ate together with the, the likes of Prince Williams, Prince Harry. I was with Prince Harry and Prince William in the same room wow. on uh, during the London Olympics 2012. Remember the British Army took mm-hmm. over the security when yeah. G4S messed up? Yeah. So they dragged us in to take over the security over these Olympic Games back in 2012. And 
my regiment, the Irish Guards, was stationed at uh, Eton, you know, Eton in Windsor. This is where yep. they did all the rowing, you know, the boats. And, you know, Catherine loves rowing and, you know, yeah. Prince William. So, yeah. but our, so the Irish Guards were stationed at the rowing events in Eton, Windsor. So, of course, Prince William, as our colonel-in-chief, came to see how we were getting on with providing security at the event. There was a tent in there. William, Prince Harry were in that tent. We were also in that tent. And you could see that Prince Harry, I mean, Prince William was very approachable. So he could come to us and yeah. we could have those chats. How are you doing, boys? Is everything all right? Do you need anything like water or anything, or any food? So you would order in some, you know, extra sandwiches for us. And yeah, but you could see them. Prince Harry's there. Prince William is there talking. But who to was the friendlier, Prince Harry or Prince William? Oh, Prince William. Prince William for me was mm -hmm. very friendly. So Prince Harry, I think, because during that time he was a little bit younger, I think. Okay. And with, with that youngness also came that bit of pride, you know, we, you know, we were happy. So Prince William was a little bit mature at, during that time. So he would come to us and Prince Harry was the party boy, you know, he would. But uh, when it comes to duty, acknowledging those who are performing a task at hand, William was always there firsthand to check in with us. Very much like okay. his mother. Yes. Yeah. So those are the moments I hold on to, you know, every time I sit back here and I see them on TV, I see yeah. William visiting here and how people are so excited when he's coming. I'm like, oh, I'm so lucky to have been in the same residence, same but, room. But, but, yeah. I, I would like to ask you something because you were in the thick of it. Did you ever feel any discrimination from any races and from any other royals that you interacted with at all? No, I didn't. And funny enough, the Irish guards that I joined were full of the Irish men. You, you, Ronnie, Ronnie, you know. Yeah. And they used, they used to say to me, when they ask you that, where are you from? Just say you're from Belfast. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, they treated us, yeah, yeah, they treated us the same way, you know, clothing exchanges, you would go, you want this size of boots, they'll give you the same size, you know, you, you want your uniform tailored, the man who was doing that uniform was maybe a man from Ireland, from Belfast, he would, you know, attend to you as he would attend to his fellow Irish man, yeah. and the opportunities that were open to us there in terms of courses, the driving licenses, all the licenses I have, I didn't have to pay for them. They were all paid for by the British Army. All the education I've had, including the degrees I've done, you know, recent, I completed my master's degree at oh, the thick of 2020. Well, that degree yeah. was fully paid by the Army through those educational credits that we accumulated by serving. Okay. So they would have said, you know, these, the, these opportunities are for these people and such and such people. No, we were all treated as one. Yeah. Okay, oh. the recruitment process, I wouldn't have been in there eating and dining with the Queen and with William if they had all those barriers in place. Sure. Mm. So okay. unconscious bias didn't exist for you? Pardon? Unconscious bias. It, 
it, it, it didn't. And, and that's why when I see, you know, Megan, who just came in barely two years, and she says all this and that within that short space of time she stayed there, I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. Okay. And when you look at how she was allowed in within six months or three months of dating, and they still allowed her Unheard to of. Go, Unheard yeah. of, Francis. It's very, very unheard of. They would have really, really put a very strict policy in place to stop her even from coming in. But they allowed her in. The queen was very, very lovely and kind to, uh, to Meghan. Okay. That was horrible to let that letter about the world. She extended that blanket to Meghan, something she had never done even to Catherine. You think okay. that the queen's, the queen's love for Harry, right? was a big reason why the Meghan Markle situation was even allowed to happen. Because... I think so, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, Harry had a way of getting around the Queen. And, you know, he, was, he, was a, he could be a funny guy sometimes, yeah. and maybe he managed to... And yeah. Harry was a, a very... He was a darling boy of so of many British people. They loved Harry so, so much. But... When Meghan Markle came into play, the Harry we are seeing now is a totally different man to the Harry we had back in the yeah. days. Okay. It's, 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 you know, Paula and I were talking earlier about how, how William presents himself publicly, how Harry presents himself publicly, and whether or not we really know them behind closed doors. But yeah. he's kind of nailed it and knocked it out of the park by having insight into their job, effectively. <laughs> You know how nice they are, and the fact that Harry is that right. are who they are. Yes. You know, William is nice in the public; he's nice behind the scenes. Harry is just completely awol and off the rails now, and that's kind of been a projection he's been going in. But I don't think Harry would have derailed if it wasn't for Meghan. I think he would. He would not have. I mean, he's come through this process. Harry has always had. Harry has always had. Uh, so much favors in yeah. a, so he's he's had a very very soft life in there I mean, everything has always been provided on a silver plate you know you know as an officer we all know his background you know he hasn't done a lot of education and all that stuff so like unlike prince william of course who went and got those degrees okay so harry did not so but he has got himself into those positions through the nurturing in the army there's so much love they have showed to him to try and make him appreciate the fact that you know he's in those positions he is and uh honestly speaking harry loved his army life Harry's one person that if you take away those medals he has, yeah. he, his mental thing, his mental health will go through the roof. He loves those. Harry would have very much still loved to be a serving royal, and I know he still wants to be. But do you know, do you know he has been made to believe that, you know, Whatever he's doing in the army, in the royal family, he's not appreciated. You know, yeah. he should be doing better than he is somewhere else. And you know, when they went out on that tour in Australia, was it Australia? Um, was it Australia? Um, so, yes, with with well, Prince they Harry. That they should be bigger than everybody, and everybody envied them because yeah, yeah, so great. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, Meghan Markle apparently at some stage asking Prince Harry whether they are being paid for that trip. I'm mm-hmm. going to be paid or we are doing all this for free. Yeah. And when Harry says, of course, these are our royal duties, we have to go there. We are representing the country and all that. We don't expect a payment. He said, what? In America, we don't do free things. So that sort of uh, idea of thinking that, you know, you know what, you could earn much more out there than you're being under there and you're not going to be a king. And, you you know, made Harry start to think until if you're naive, you know, it's very easy for someone to switch your mind. Unlike Prince William, who is educated to a certain level, so he can sort of have a sense of judgment on things. You know, William is not in those positions he is in today because he's going to be the king. That's why he's very good with people. That's why he's pretending to do that and that. William, right from a young age, has been raised in, has has always been a very sensible man. Yeah. And Prince, Prince Diana, Princess Diana knew this. He also said, you know, William is, you know, the leader, the real one. Harry is my mommy's boy. It's just, you know, he knew that Prince Harry would would be there, would need a lot of support, encouragement, love to make him understand that, you know, stay good, stay where you are. Okay. But, you know, that kind of gives me, that kind of reinforces what I've been saying, because if Meghan had indeed had a major in international relations, as she falsely claimed to have, she would have known about the history and what the royals and everything, because that's part of international relations course in, at Northwestern University, the monarchy of the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, the history, everything that's part of it, the duties, political science, all of that is part of that degree. So for her to claim naivety, I didn't know. That's absolute BS because if you look, and I've done quite a few videos about this, I have contacted Northwestern University and they have reassured me that monarchy, US history, UK history are linked together. Absolutely. And she would have known political science, uh, um, uh, the, the, the influence of the monarchies worldwide, uh, you know, especially the British monarchy, the constitutional roles, everything. She would have known. So it drives me crazy. No. Yeah, she would have. And she blew away the biggest opportunity of being a very strong, you know, she would have been one of the strongest women out there. She would have made a real big impact had she stayed in. She would have got the much you know. We wanted Diana too, Francis. I think that's what the nation was expecting from Harry was Diana part two, you know. Yeah. I mean, and and they both dropped the ball. I, I genuinely can't grasp just how devastating a situation this is for the royals because there's never been a situation like this and you know i I was saying this to to p dina and paul a few weeks ago we were actually in the tail end of the monarchy where it's you know not normal i mean if this was 200 years ago harry would have killed william years ago and have been king you know yes yes you know if we look how bloody the history was especially if you had seven brothers and you were the last in line Mm. there's some people falling out of some towers that's all i'm oh, saying yes and, yes you know for us try we we, we we laugh about that but when you imagine the mindset of young harry knowing he's never going to be king his brother's going to be king it's all about his his brother he's lost his mother there's all this rumors and circulations going around about his mum 
his, his mind was always set to derail, but how the Meghan Markle situation has been allowed to happen is, you know, what we said earlier about the, uh, the Queen's love for her grandson, it was a perfect storm situation, Francis. If you remove yes. one element, she would never have gotten in. And yes. Mm-hmm. Do, you think yeah, maybe, yeah. do you think maybe the Queen was holding some inner guilt maybe towards Harry for some unknown reason? Okay, so, uh, of course, Harry, you know, there, were, there was a thinking that maybe Harry would again go and say, they refused me from marrying the person I wanted. Yeah. But also, Harry is somebody who gets a bit excited. You know, she, he gets so excited. So he was caught up in the excitement of this young girl on suits. Everybody's talking about suits. And, and so he got so excited. And like he said in one of those uh, narrations in his spare and all that stuff, but, you know, he, you know, he was drunk, he had a bit of that. Sometimes those decisions were made amidst that sort of, you know, those conditions and situations he was, he was in at the time. Yes, so, and then he, he finds himself in a position where, oh, I've, I've already gone this step, how do I pull out? So I have to just, you know, go on like that and maybe hope that something else will come up and I come out of it. And then he has a child, he's the second one, now he's all caught up in this mess. So it's going to be very difficult for him. But uh, of course, Prince William never wanted Prince Harry to go to United States. He knew Prince William has a very good sense of judgment. He knew that if we let Harry go, Leave the, leave the royal family and go off with this lady to United States, we are going to fall into so much trouble. He's going to be turned into something else. And that is where, you know, you saw that scarf for Prince Harry saying, oh, my brother, you know, push me on the you know, side and say, what are you doing? Where are you going? He was not really, really up to the fact that Prince Harry wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But the queen was... Somebody said, right, okay, so you are an adult. You can do what pleases you, okay, and go. And uh, the royal family has dealt with these challenges over time. You know, that Princess Diana, you know, era, you know what happened with Princess Diana. I think the royal family had never uh, faced a challenge than it did with the the case of Princess Diana and uh, King Prince Charles at the time. So they have really, really withstood stronger forces than you know than what is happening now this will also come to pass but the message here is nobody stands in the way of the royal family wins you can never win the royal family i've been trying to to say that to p diner when we're talking about for example if if harry got kicked out of the usa megan was still there with harry's kids Everyone's like, oh, what, what, what would Harry do about his kids? If Harry wanted his kids back, his hurt, the king would sort that out. Like, he would get those. I'm just saying, it, it would be black SUVs outside the Markles, quick knock on the door. Hiya, we're here for the kids. We've been sent by the king. We're definitely not former SAS members, but we're just here to have a chat. <laughs> yes. You don't mess with the monarchy. Like, oh, no. There's. Like, you've got to just look at the history, man. It doesn't work out well for people who take on the British monarchy. It, it yeah. doesn't. And if you appear to be 
wanting to be more clever, mm. you know, again, that is not good. When you come in the, in, in the royal family, just work to the standard operating procedures. Yeah. Just go with yeah. the flow, go with what is said yeah. in the royal. If you try to bring your own ideas, trying to show that you're more intelligent than everybody, yeah. you no. won't win. The, no. the end result will, will, you, will be you being kicked out. And, and that's what we saw with Megan there when she came. She said, I'm going to hit the floor running. And Catherine at some point looked at her like this and probably wondered and said, what is this one talking about? Mm -hmm. OK. But, yeah. because but, wanna, but I think it, this is all. I would, I, you know, in the part I agree. But for example, if Megan indeed had been, had had very good ideas, I am sure the monarchy would have embraced it. But her yeah. merchandising or exploiting the monarchy to get free clothes and get steel yep. brands and stuff like that, that's not her being uh, hit the ground running. That I'm sure yep. that what she meant was, I'm going to hit the ground running, I'm going to make all these deals with Dior. Yep. I'm gonna make okay, yeah. absolutely. The difference between absolutely. positive ideas about, yep. you know what, maybe we can, for example, yeah. So Marco has multiple sclerosis, advanced MS. She could have said, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to bring my sister and I'm going to, we're going to, let's do something about MS and bring it to the fore in a smart way so we can unite both continents. Yeah. The yeah. United States and because, you know, she could have been a very good bridge for unity instead of that. that complex though, Paul. That's the problem, right? Like I've said this before, Francis, I would put good money on it, right? Mm -hmm. That on the, the first day, the first day that she uh, walked into the palace, um, she was trying to take selfies and do sponsored Instagram ads and then was told you can't do that here. And then that's when they moved out. Because yes. for some people, having everything, right? If you want something, you ask the royal, whoever does deals with what you want, they bring it to you. Having everything you could want isn't enough for some people. They want a big pile of money. Okay. Yes. Then, you know, unless unless you go down to the old royal vault and go rolling about in the gold coins and the gold bars that have been there for centuries, you know, you're not going to see a lot of money. You can have whatever no. you, you can have whatever you want, okay? Yeah. But you're never going to be sitting with piles of money. It's a weird mindset when well, you think, he, they got about yeah. four million a year. On top of all the privileges, so it's not like they were sitting four million. Yeah, that's nothing compared to what they want. You can't live on. Do you know how much it costs to heat a castle? Okay, no. I know, I'm just saying. You the gas bill for the palace is crazy. Okay, nearly a million, nearly million pound. You know, oh, don't tell me and, that. Francis. And 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 the thing is, because we have these standard operating procedures, yeah. the the royal family as an institution has been working following these procedures for years and years, yeah. okay? And so even me, you know, as a royal guard within the, the you know, the, uh, the army, and if I had an issue, you know, I would still talk to somebody next to me that somebody talks to someone else and it yeah. goes through that pattern it's until it gets to, yes. And here is Megan who came in, who wanted things done you just jump up and say, so you arrange your own stylist, you arrange for your own transport, you yeah. arrange for your own this, you want to call so and so to come in and deliver this to you. Yet, you know, there is a procedure you go through, you want a stylist or you want somebody to come in to do something for you. There is somebody that does that. So you put your application through there. Yeah, yes, right. and, ask, and then it goes through those yeah. procedures and it's signed on. 
but you know when, when she said i'm hitting the ground running she's, she's that sort of person who thought i'm gonna come in and say so i know somebody's gonna help us get do this and then picks up the phone hi can you do this for this and, and then they find out that you know there is a bit of jumping of the procedures yeah. and, and so when they came back to her on that that you know this is not how we do things for example, when you're walking down in a royal procession or there's a garden party of some sort, you're supposed to be lining up behind uh, William and Catherine. Okay. But she thought, why? Women of these days still line up behind others? No chance. I'm educated. I've got my degree. I've got my potential. I want to go straight in. Oh, gosh. In the U.S. president. Let me put it this way. People talk so much about the royal family and the fact that women walk behind the men. But nobody walks in front of the president of the United States or any president. It's always a pecking order everywhere you go. You know? yeah. It's not even that. It's, it's bonkers. I mean, we're talking about like thousands of years of tradition, hundreds of years of tradition and ceremony and, you know, how things are done. And, she, and then Megan comes along and it's just like, nah, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to me. It's madness. Certainly. Because when yeah. she came in and talked about women empowerment, you know, women, we are supposed to be leading at the front, not staying in the shadows of others. So this was the message she was trying to. So when you go on those royal you know, engagements and you're giving a speech, you know, talking about women empowerment and I'm here to help you women come up and do this and that. It's more like, how about the women in the royal family, okay? You know, they go through those procedures. They line up behind their, their, mm -hmm. their, their husbands. You know, Catherine, you know, has to come before, you know, William. So, I mean, she's right behind William. You know, those royal handshakes, simple things like that, that send a gesture of respect to someone who is high up in those ranks. It's, but then she looked at that as women being subdued. Mm, that is still happening in, in this century? No chance. We've got to stand for women empowerment. There is a way she could have done the women empowerment you know, that would have even made you say, Catherine, you know, she has all those projects, you know, the early childhood development projects, yeah. women and how they are raising their children. That's it's self-empowerment, which is actually even more than telling somebody, no, you know, you shouldn't do that, do that. Okay, so she came in with that mindset. And, and that is what she started, I think, telling Harry as well, look, they are doing this, but that is that is old fashioned. Come on, Harry. You know, you can't yeah. just be behind uh, Prince William all the time. You know, you're capable of doing your own projects and getting money, all that stuff. Okay. And, and that is where she went wrong. And in the end, her time in the royal family was very short lived. And I think at some point, the royals must have been really relieved to see her go at least. Go, we manage you from there, okay, from that side. Do you really, really okay. think that her intention was to stay in the royal family? Do you really? Because I'm mm. going to be honest with you. 
I think for most people, if they hadn't read the small print and they didn't realize they couldn't do posted post Instagram ads and they're not going to get all the money that they thought they were going to get and all the rest of it, I think most people would be like, it's okay. I can, I can, I can be a royal. It's okay. I'll, I'll power through. I, I genuinely do not think for a second that her plan was to stay in the royals. I think we are giving her too much credit and making assumptions that she has a brain like ours. She, from her family's own words, okay. Her sister has never seen her apologize. Now, when I mean apologize, when you know when your kids, like they do, they might drop something and they look to their parent instantly and they go, oh, I'm sorry, mom, I'm sorry, dad. That's a natural reaction, right? You've seen it a hundred times, Francis, right? Yeah. She never witnessed that. So no. that means that wasn't present in her brain from a, from a toddler age, which to me is, which is bonkers, yeah. okay? Yeah. So to never have taken accountability and to then have written off, burnt bridges, and toxified every relationship from your sister, your father, your brother, everything in a one big line. I can't see this being the changing moment for her. If yeah. she had decided that was her changing moment, we would, she'd be in the royals, she'd be the new Diana, she'd be changing the world, and the whole world would be rallying behind her. But she missed the mark. She missed yeah. the mark on that. You know, and, and I don't think that Prince William was worried about Harry going to the U.S. as much as the fact that it, he was following Meghan. And I don't think that Meghan, I, I said it earlier today, was the best tour guide for Prince Harry to transition from yeah. the United Kingdom to a D-list celebrity in Hollywood because Meghan didn't have the tools. She was not successful in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I also said that the minute, the second, that Harry signed that marriage certificate, the marriage yeah. was over. It's like when you're born, that's, yeah. a, that's a death sentence. It's the yeah. same thing. Meghan had no intention. That, that was her crowning moment. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I firmly believe that she just wanted to make it, you know, when you want to quit a job, but you don't want yeah. to you you make every excuse or you make it unpleasant for everybody around you, and then when uh, you go, whole life that's our whole yeah. life, Paula. that's our whole life, our attitude and our whole life, it's mad. And, yeah, and and the other argument is also around Meghan Markle coming into the royal family, and she thought it was going to be very easy. Okay, so she thought, mm, okay, so you know I'm gonna be married, you know, in yeah. the royal family, they'll give me that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would. Mm -hmm. You know, but there is actually some work done behind the scenes. Those ladies work mm -hmm. on a very strict policy. They have deadlines to beat. They have um, goals to meet because they are all, you know, patronate, patrons of all these patronages around here. So they have to visit this. They have to write um, some form of action plans and, and plan ahead for these patronages to you yeah. know, grow bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And so when she came in and saw that one royal could be a patron for around 20, 30 of them, and they had to visit them regularly, they had to, you know, put mechanisms in place to raise money for all these uh, charities and all that, Megan thought to herself, mm -mm, this is really hard. She wants things on a silver plate as well. Mm -hmm. And so she had to look for a way out. But unfortunately, she also knew, I mean, that Harry is the person to hold on to, okay, to get her to that next place. She wants to be in life, okay? Oh. And she wouldn't have been anybody. You know, she would have stayed the Megan, the former actress of, you know, in Suits. And that's as much as we could 
We didn't even know Megan here that much. I didn't no. know her. No. Yeah, no, we I didn't. knew her after yeah. Megan, after marrying Prince Harry. Yeah, I mean, and everybody was asking, who is Megan? Yeah, she nailed it, man. She nailed, yeah. she nailed the, you know, the, you know, the, the left turn decision making on marriage. And we have so many people here who look at her as an opportunist. You know, somebody who's yeah. looking for an opportunity to break through. Yeah. I mean, she broke through now. She knows she has reached home. And what she can do is just to take Prince Harry along with her and sort of, oh, Harry and Meghan are here because she yeah. knew wherever Harry goes, the cameras will come. Meghan Markle has identified most of her life. There was this gentleman called Sir Trevor Phillips who actually criticized her and said, Yeah, I saw why, that. Why is the black community you couldn't get Meghan Markle? Because she, she's lived her whole life as a white person. She's never identified as a black person. So do you think she was ever in a position to represent the black community from the U.S.? Uh, no, but she did participate in the PSA about uh, racism um i don't know some people some royal reporters don't even know that because uh they don't know that she uh, was a part of it where it says stop racism she was a part of that when she was younger um you know in hollywood but she definitely was not in a position to represent black people because she did not ever identify as a black yeah. woman ever yeah. or associated in those circles so it's offensive that she would even try to claim racism you know, in the royal family. It's absurd. It's yeah, she came here, you know, and she said in one of those episodes that I never knew I was black until I went to UK. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that statement alone tells us that you know where she was, she had never been accustomed to any sort of racial, you know, yeah. segregation. And she said, I didn't know I was black until I went to the UK. Yes. Okay, so then yes, how can you put yourself was, forward? She was embarrassed. She was praised for being black as well, Pat and, and, and Francis. I don't, I don't know. I don't think no, she... And, and she has never identified herself as a black person to, yeah. to begin with. So how do you claim that you're being racially abused when you have You've never... never lived that life, yeah. yeah. She was angry at the UK that the UK celebrated her her black heritage because she says she's never been treated like a black woman until she yeah. gets to the UK. So yeah. for me that that's kind of a resentment that that part was so celebrated. I mean I mean I think could be wrong. And I, I think she looked at it from a very bad angle. She thought maybe they're saying she's black black. But what they meant is oh we've got some bit of diversity in the royal family. Okay. So someone at least who is known white pure white you know what i mean and that is you know that is and i think that might have been the reason as well they welcomed her in because we are living in these changing times where now every institution is being held accountable when it comes to okay let's look at your diversification policies you have in place how many you know people yeah. you have working who are non-white how many people within the royals and all that stuff Sure. So that could have been why the royal family was a little bit, you know, easy on Prince Harry letting her in. You know. mm -hmm. okay. or, anyway, let us look at that as a way of celebrating our, you know, diverse new royal family we have become. And the public here actually welcomed her so much. If I tell you that 
their wedding was watched by nearly how many? 11 million people worldwide. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most watched wedding. People were out on the streets. I myself was here on that day. My family, we wore all these, you know, uh, Union Jack flags. We were yeah. you know, flying all those things that went down to the Windsor Castle because it was held in Windsor. We lined up the, that long, uh, you know, behind Windsor Castle where they drove in into St. George's Chapel. We celebrated her arrival. We did. Everybody loved her. But up to until that point, she went to Australia. That is when things changed. So when she went there and, I mean, they welcomed her, all the press and, and all that. So when she came back, she thought, oh, I can actually start stepping up and, you know, doing things. And then she asked Prince Harry allegedly that, but are we being paid for this, by the way? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh. Okay, and, and, and then, and then Harry said we are not. And after seeing what she had done there, she had offered these speeches. She was uploaded. She said I could do better than this and actually start earning my own money out yeah. of this. Okay, so yes. they gave her that platform and she misused it. And of course, she had to end up where she is. Well, okay. how, how do you th- how fast do you think she's declining in the United States? Because you know you're in the USA. It's accelerated though. It's accelerated really. She's not like. See, Dinah, okay. you're are you okay for time? I know you're needing to. Yeah, I do have to get going because I'm got to get to the bank before they close. So, um, okay. so this is really interesting. But just to answer your question, Paul, she's going at, at a fast rate. Hollywood wants nothing to do with her, but she still has the black community that don't follow it. Yeah. I must say that. And it was confirmed oh, yesterday at an event I went to. Yeah, I talked to some people, but that'll come out later for me. But yeah, it's happening only in Hollywood, not the well, rest of the country. Make sure if you're watching to go and subscribe to P. Dinah. Go and check out all of her amazing content. And thank you for joining us as always. Uh, yes, well, thanks for having me today. Sorry I have to leave a little early, you guys. Um, P. Dinah, before you go, before yes. you go, um, I might not be commenting on some of your posts, but I see them when they come. I give them a like. Oh, okay. Thank you. And you always show up in my feeds. You oh, and wonderful. you and Paula, you always show up in my <laughs> feeds. And and, uh, and Michelle, I don't know where she is today. Michelle, she's yes. uh, is it Royal Daily Tea? Yeah, yes, Royal Daily She's also tea. very lovely. And TikTok, yes. you guys are amazing on TikTok as well. I love this. Thank you. And I'll be I subscribing do. to your channel. And I definitely <laughs> hey, look, the next time I'm in the, um, England, I'm going to give you a call. because Give I me a call. Twice. And so do you, Paula, please. Give me yes, a call. You'll be and then we call can meet you. up for some bit of royalty somewhere the around. Course, of course. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Okay, bye, you guys. Bye-bye. I'll catch up with you soon. Michelle actually sends her love. We were filming with her earlier, singing your praise, Francis. So she sends uh, her best wishes over to you. Yeah, uh, do you, you think that Megan is a huge opportunity missed? You, who do you think? Why do you think she was so hurtful to imply it about a royal racist? Why do I think she... She, do you think she's seeing that there was a royal racist about, and especially about her baby, you know, which is actually quite nasty if you think about it. Okay, so it's very difficult to comment on that because of yes, I wasn't there, but um, from what I know with with royals, you know, it it could have been maybe a minor sort of joke, like in a conversation where so I wonder the type of baby we're gonna get to see one with ginger hair, like. 
you know, Harry, is it going to be light-skinned? So all those uh, sort of remarks could have come up as a way of, you know, being excited and can't imagining what is going to be coming. You know, you're very excited about it. So this could have been remarks made in a positive light. You are definitely a glasses half full kind of guy, Francis. I can tell. Your positivity is just, (laughs) it's mind blowing because again, I, I, I think you're you're half right. There's a lot of conversations that take place passively, right? When you're yes. in your own home, all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, you've got the white guys when they're alone in their house and they're singing along with some rap and some hip hop. They're singing along with the words that we're not allowed to say, all those kind of things because you're in a in a safe zone, right? Yes. So yeah. I, I personally believe that those comments could have been made, but they could have been made third party, second party, some miserable old uncle said something and then it's been repeated in anger or frustration or, or whatever. I think I think the behind closed door Meghan Markle situation pre- preemptively split the royals as it was happening. And I imagine there was a lot of heated conversations and I imagine a lot of things got out of hand and some very old China got broken uh, because it was a bombshell unheard of scenario uh, with Meghan Markle coming into the royals. And but Prince Harry, you know, Prince Harry is one guy I know that he speaks his heart, he speaks it as it is. Sure. So Harry would could would have been the very first person to step up and say these things. Sure. You okay. know, I don't want, you know, you know, this is what is going on and I don't like it. Yeah. But if Harry and there was no one that is always as closer to these other royals than Prince Harry was. He was always sure. there with the Queen, with with you know, uh, with Prince Philip, and he was very close. So the Megans had only just come. We are talking about the very, very young stages of Meghan being in the um, in the royal family. She would not have been very close to them to be there. So it was a hearsay to her. Yeah, she, she did that. not. Yeah, it was not something she had with her ears. So. If it was somebody who had it, it would have been Prince Harry, and he would have sprung up and said, I've had this, and I don't like it. But Prince Harry said, my wife told me somebody did, you know, Prince Harry is also operating on my wife told me. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. It's one of those situations where if you are Meghan and you are a bit deceiving and conniving, how is anyone going to prove you wrong? You know, it's it's what it's the classic call someone a name because you heard you heard it being said by someone else. Oh, but I can't tell you who said it. It's the classic ploy. You know, yes. she's 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 mastered the art of being the victim and and playing that card when it, it's going to get her traction and clout. Because I genuinely believe that she wanted to be the first influencer royal. That was her yes. end goal. Because. Yes. She's seen we're in the era of the influencer and she wanted to break the mold and be the first royal influencer and it blew up in her face. Yeah. And it's 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 always for me and with, with how serious the royal family is over here, I, I I'm finding it more and more more and more bombshells as the weeks go on with this show when you find out, you know, the realities of what's happened with her. And you said something earlier about Prince William. Right, and and it's always asked, why is William not, you know, why did William never uh, step in and help Harry, or where was William when all this was going on? It sounded like William was too busy doing his job, okay, at four o'clock in the morning rehearsing on horses when Harry is away gallivanting. 
it sounds like William just took his job and his life seriously. But he did try to interfere, Ron, because even Harry says that in his book, Spare, that his brother, everybody warned him and told him to take his time with Meghan. Absolutely. So he, he interpreted that, you know, as, you know. I think a warning. And when, of course, William said that to Prince Harry, and Prince Harry overlooked that or looked at it as yeah. a way of saying, my brother doesn't want me to, you know, go with the woman I love, then there started coming up with those barriers now. So, yeah. that, so, so Prince William was like, okay, right, I've told you. So if things pan out, you probably look back and say that I was right, okay? Because William wouldn't even have wanted to be the best man on the day if he, you know, he was very supportive. So yeah. he gave Prince Harry advice, like you would do to anybody. Yeah, yeah. If they don't take it, you then shift from that to supporting them. Okay, if yeah. that's what you want, I'll support you. And so, you know, the wedding, I know Prince Harry says, Prince William, you know, was not actually my actual best man or that stuff. But Prince William was, was always there with, with Prince yeah. Harry. He has always tried to guide his brother, you know, in making decisions. But, but that can be twisted into my brother was manipulating me. He was hating on me for book sales. Which he has. Yes. This is, this is the problem with all of this because... It's a very different picture when you hear somebody like yourself who's lived it, seen it, breathed it, okay? You were talking... You interacted with them, interacted with them. You physically yes. touched these people. Do you know what I'm saying? Appropriately. Yes, yes. I'm just saying, you are, you are the real deal. And the picture you're painting behind closed doors when there's no cameras, there's no public... And let's be honest, if they wanted to treat you like shit, they could just, you would just be ordered to keep your mouth shut. I mean, it would just as simple as that. So <laughs> Absolutely. To hear, to hear that William is a good person to, to his... Um, Caring. Objects, shall we say. Um, I was surprised. I was surprised when Harry said my brother pushed me. and Because I could not imagine Prince William doing that. You know, he could have got a bit of, you know, but to those limits that Prince yeah. Harry explained there, because when I see Prince William behind closed doors and how humble and, you know, of course, he's got Catherine all yeah. the time as well to sort of... And Catherine was very close to Prince Harry. So when you have a woman like Catherine who is also throwing in all that good advice to you and, you know, you wouldn't expect Prince William to actually do anything, you know, that bad as Prince yeah. Harry put it, you know, because... Yeah. Look at even the children, you know, they have the children near enough all the time around them. I, I wouldn't even expect, I couldn't imagine Prince William doing that in front of the kids. Yeah. You know, he's a father. He's I, such I, a responsible man. So when you look at all these factors and try and map things out on how Prince Harry reported in spare and everything, yeah. like, no, I think there was a bit of exaggeration of things here. I think mm -hmm. the exaggeration comes Lies. I think Megan sat him down and went, write down 10 shocking things that I can then turn into clickbait for this book. <laughs> and that's what yeah. Well, listen, yeah. Francis and Paula, we're hitting that two-hour mark, right? I just want to ask a couple more questions before we end. Francis, yes. have you ever watched the, the television show called The Windsors in this country? <laughs> No, actually, I haven't. It's, it's, a, it's a comedy based off of the royal family, and it's uh, Harry Enfield that plays Prince Charles at this time. Okay, okay. And it's super exaggerated, and they're all turned into uh, 
very, very humorous exaggerations of their personality. I highly suggest you give it a watch because it is so funny. And I'd, I'd, I'd just be interested to hear if, uh, if, if, if you actually find it funny as, as, as I do. So go and, go and please check that out. I'm, I'm going to watch that certainly. I, I am. Think yeah. Channel, I think it's Channel 4. You'll get all the series. And I, I can't get enough of it. It's so over the top it's harry enfield it's over the top you know camilla's plotting to take everybody out and uh, the sister of uh, <laughs> the sister of catherine is obsessed with william and trying to marry <laughs> his family and uh, yeah. you know they, they portray king charles is just <laughs> it's so funny because it's, it's playing on their on their stereotypes if you will mm -hmm. uh, but camilla's character is like the like the sort of devious black widow who's trying to take out uh, the royals and have full power for herself and it's so funny it's so funny so give, <laughs> give it a watch. i highly suggest to the viewers as well to go and give it a watch it is fine I, I, I hope you can come back some other time i mean we yeah. do this every week and i would love to have you again for oh sure. yes oh yes why not paula you know you're so amazing by the way I, I, let me say this again you I mean, you are doing a lot of work uncovering all these nasty things about, you know, Megan. And sometimes I'm like, wow, you know, because... You get a lot of flack for it, though. Yes. When, when, <laughs> when Megan came onto the scene, sadly, I was out of the army. So it would have been nice for me to be there to just really see, you know, whether really what she's claiming happened to her really did, yeah. you know. When, yeah. But because she arrived when I had left, my basis, all these thoughts are based on the fact that, you know, I know how the royals were. I ate yeah. with them, I dined with them, we went out on these activities, very hardworking. William was a very friendly man. Prince yeah. Harry was very lovely. He might have been proud, but again, he was very positive. He never missed turning up for duty, you know. <clears throat> And some of the boys he served with in Afghanistan, uh, you know, are boys we speak with, you know, the Welsh guards, uh, you know, they know he was very enthusiastic. You know, he really loved his military service. For him to throw all that away and go, you know, was really unlike of Prince Harry. So there was a little bit of manipulating big time there. I, I, I think diving deep, doing a deep dive into Harry's military uh, life would be a great show. And Francis, we, we have what we call rotating hosts on this show. And if yeah. you if you would like to be part of the show and be a rotating host like Michelle, Michelle from Royal Daily Tea, You'll basically be sent out when we're filming. If you can make it, you can come and be part of the panel whenever we're filming, and we'd love to have you as one of our routine. Uh, okay, that would be brilliant. So it would be about you know looking at what is on my diary here and yeah, trying course, to fit things course, in. Of course, of course, yes. But, that, but that's Paula did a lot of hard work behind the scenes as well because yeah, I know. she really Paula, invited me to this show. Paula is and my where Paula my goes, you know, I always follow. So because these yeah. are people I've known on YouTube yeah. for, for a long time. Well, but Ron. Really, I've, thank you so much. I've said this more than once. Paul is the backbone of this show. Uh, so oh, full credit to Paul for, for, yeah. for a lot of the stuff that goes on but, here. But, but this is going to be lovely to have you as a host too. I, I, I love, I love <laughs> your positivity. Yeah. You know? and, it's and a beautiful this, thing. It's, it's, it's a very flexible thing. Even if, you, if you're only on four shows a year because you yes. can't make it to the rest, that's fine. But you're... Yeah. 
it's an open invitation. Anytime we do any specials or have guests or do lives, because you know a Saturday night live might be easier for you than three o'clock yeah. in the afternoon on a Thursday. You know, so yes. may, we may see you more there. But you're very, very welcome. And I just want to say thank you to you and your family for giving up your time. Uh, I know you had a fantastic day uh, with your kids today, and I just want to say thank you. And uh, it's been a really, really informative, and I've learned a lot, not just about you know, boot polishing and staying awake when you're standing up, but really an insight into the royals from the, from the Queen, uh, your interactions with her, Prince William, the weddings. It's the real deal. And oh, I, yes. And I I've got a lot more to share when we oh, come on this well, show. Well, you know, listen, you know, oh, things like Queen Elizabeth is the best moments that I yeah. observed and physically saw her really happy. Listen, you, I, you, you can come here with your proper grown-up stories. I want to know things like, <laughs> do they use the same toilet paper as us? Is there okay. a same toilet paper? Did they with the spikes and stuff like that? Oh, yes. I'll tell you all about the lovely cakes. Yeah. The lovely cakes she used to share yeah. with us in the yeah. palace and all that you know, stuff. You know, we've got a lot coming one, up. One pointless thing that we've not brought up here uh, is the fact that there was uh, a seal that the Queen had for, yeah. for products that she used that were public domain. So, like, for example, Heinz ketchup and yes. Twining, Twining's tea had a yeah. royal seal on them. Yeah. And yes. when the Queen passed away, there was this panic that oh my God, we're going to lose our seal because, you know, the queen is, is gone. So we'll maybe... The royal warrant. The royal warrant is gone. Yeah, exactly. Yes, so we'll, yeah. We'll maybe, Ron will maybe do some research and list all the products that are on the royal ward for an episode because he really is not very well educated on this topic and just tries to hold his own here. So, Francis, we look yes. forward to coming back. We look forward to having you on the show for another interview and, a, and again as a panel member. Paula, you've managed to go a whole podcast without telling me off, shouting at me for something, and I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, so we've made it through an episode. I would like to share. I'd like to share. Waiting for Francis because he's new. Yeah. Yes. I'd like to share one small item that I yes, use yes, that please. keeps me close to the royals. Give me my tea bag, my tea uh, container. Where is it? Is it there? Do we have? Yeah. So I take, you know, this royalty, you know, it's, it's lovely. It's got the lovely scent. It reminds me of Queen Elizabeth. Oh. This is one of the teas, actually, you know, oh, they, wow. they pretty much take. And um, hello. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. So it comes in a container like this one here. Oh, wow. oh, look at that. It, yes. Yeah. So I can send you some, Paula. You know, oh, yeah. I, can send yeah. you I tell some. you what. I tell you I, what. You can get tea bags out from the royal tea to all of the hosts for a royal tea party live one night. We'll get, yes. some, we'll get some little cakes and we'll drink some royal tea. Oh, yes. And we'll have a right old gab. You know, oh, yes. and hopefully send some pictures to Ron so he can put some on your on your yes. on your on the video today. Maybe you can insert yes. it on. The oh video. yes, if yes. You send me the images because you can do some screenshots yeah. of you at the wedding, right? Yes. That would be great. And just send us some of your 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 best hits. You know, you in your uniform looking badass. You know, just just send us send us some stuff and I'll put them in and yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, that would be lovely. That <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's no problem. That's no okay problem. then. No worries. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah.
so much Listen, for being YouTube, here. YouTube, thank you so much for joining us once again for a royal mess. Thank you to Francis, Paula, P. Dinah. And uh, we'll see you next time. And Indeed. Make sure you subscribe. Go and join the channels. Subscribe. Subscribe to this channel. Leave a like, share, all that good stuff. And for me, John Swanson, as always, be safe out there. Yeah.